Do you know how I knew your name was Doc? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? I mean, I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Jack Crawford sent a trainee to me. Don't put it in your pocket, it's your lucky water. I had a dream about this place. And then I woke up. Yo, 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 what it do, everybody? It's your boy, Fly Guy Ty, back on the mic again. And uh, with me, as always, my lovely, lovely, lovely co-host. Go ahead and tell the people who you are, man. How you doing, baby? It's your boy, <laughs> Squatro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, y'all already know what it is. Welcome back to the show. Brackets and B-Roll Season 2. We coming at y'all Episode 2. Hope y'all enjoyed the last one. And uh, we got another great one in store for y'all today. Uh, you know... If this is uh if, if you've been listening to the show, this is not your first rodeo. If it is, uh welcome to Brackets and B-Rolls, a podcast that brings together March Madness and movies in the best way possible. Um this season, uh well, I guess if this is your first rodeo, the pitch behind this show is March Madness, but with movies. It's a seasonal show. Every season we do a different movie genre. That's all you need to know. Going to go, we're gonna go ahead and hop into it. This season, we're doing uh psychological thrillers. We got a lot of great movies on this list. That we're gonna be uh, knocking through. Um, in fact, we got the the list of films from a uh, French British magazine by the name of Marie Claire. You can find the list of the movies, uh, all twenty eight of them, over on our Instagram page. Um, I think that's about it. Am I missing anything? Uh, in this in this episode, or I guess in last episode, we reviewed some. Uh, we reviewed. We did some reviews. We reviewed the first four movies in the. Uh, release order. Uh, we did uh, Diabolique, Purple Noon, Psycho, and damn, don't tell me, don't tell me, uh, 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 Persona. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Got to be of assistance. Thank me. Thank me. That's what I meant. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. We chose violence this morning, I guess. Hey, bro. Well, you know, like I said, if y'all, if this is your first rodeo, you'll learn soon the dynamic we have here. And if not, you already know what it is. You already know what's going on. It's like the Robin and my Batman. That's bait. Mm, you know what? That's bait. I'm leaving that. I'm not doing it. Nope. 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 Uh, so <laughs> without further ado, though, we've been dilly dallying enough. Today, we got four new reviews coming at y'all. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about these. So let's uh, go ahead and hop into it, man. First up, we have Rosemary's Baby, released in 1968, directed by Roman Polanski, written by Roman Polanski, based on the novel by Ira Levin, starring Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, and Sidney Blackmer, with a Rotten Tomato score of 96%, and a critics' consensus reading, a frightening tale of Satanism and pregnancy that is even more disturbing than it sounds, thanks to convincing and committed performances by Mia Farrow and Ruth Gordon. Are you aware that the Bramford had rather an unpleasant reputation around the turn of the century? It's where the Trench sisters conducted their little dietary experiments, and Keith Kennedy held his parties. Adrian Mercado lived there too, so did Pearl A. The Trench sisters. The Trench sisters were two proper Victorian ladies. They cooked and ate several young children, including a niece. Oh, lovely. Adrian Mercado practiced witchcraft. 
He made quite a splash in the 90s by announcing that he'd conjured up the living devil. Apparently people believed him, so they attacked and nearly killed him in the lobby of the Bramford. You're joking. Later the Keith Kennedy business began, and by the 20s the house was half empty. I, I knew about Keith Kennedy. I didn't know that Marcato lived there. And those sisters. World War II filled the house up again. Terrific. The house? The lamb. Oh. They called it Black Bramford. Um, I'd say that's pretty accurate as far as our... the first sentence is packed such a punch. I was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> as far as critics' consensus go, that's that was pretty. Concise. That was one of the best ones I've re- I've heard for. Real. I was like, yeah, that's that's the movie. Is. <laughs> that that is indeed what happens in it. That is that is the movie. Um, critic but, and it's consensus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, I guess we can go ahead and start. Uh, go ahead, and right, get into it, man. Uh, thoughts, thoughts on Rosemary's Baby. How would you feel about it? When I finished this movie, I texted you and was like, "This is the most fucked piece of media we've had to watch for this show thus far." <laughs> like it was, it was so weird. And like, uh, my favorite part of the movie is uh when they first get into the apartment for the first time. And, like they're sitting there eating on the floor. And oh, she looks yeah, to him no and she's like, "Just let's make love." <laughs> He was like, let's make love. I mean, if that's not consent, I don't know what is. <laughs> Yo, gotta get that uh, enthusiastic yes, man. He was like, yeah, love? Yeah, cool. <laughs> that was that was uh, uh, permission with an A plus right there. One of the things that I really um, enjoyed about this this season, this genre, and like one of the things that's done very well in Rosemary's Baby is like the build up to, you know, the inevitable twist or um, major plot point at the end where, or more so the climax and like falling action and like the resolution at the end of the movie um, is like that build up of what Rosemary is experiencing throughout the film, like being more wary of the neighbors, wary of like, a guy like I really loved uh toward the end of the movie where she was like going to that doctor and she was like trying to get into the she was getting in the cab and she was like hey I need I need to get here like I'm not safe I'm trying to move it reminded me a lot of the Henry Hill helicopter uh oh from Good Goodfellas yeah. oh, okay gotcha where like gotcha, the tension gotcha. is just like so heavy it, and like the, yeah yeah she, you you don't want it to get caught but like it, it's crazy like I really really like that scene oh. and that's what. Also, uh, I guess light spoilers for Rosemary's Baby. Um, Goodfellas, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, even then, like what you just said isn't even a spoiler, really. But uh, yeah, light spoilers for Rosemary's Baby. Um, we'll we'll try to be mindful of that. No promises. And hey, no, watch the movie. I'm spoiling it. Yeah, it, it, on, yeah. Honestly, I think it would be uh, in your best interest to watch the movie. It's a good movie, though. Yeah. Absolutely, check it out. Um, you know, be prepared. For Have something. you watched the one with uh, Zoe Saldana? Wait, there was a remake of this? Yeah. I low-key don't quote me. Why do I feel like this one might have been a remake? I mean, it's based on a novel, so that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. But I didn't know. But I know was... for a fact Zoe Saldana has a remake. What's it called? Oh, Rose is it Man called Rosemary's Baby? Rose yeah. Baby? Oh, wow. I'm looking at it right now. It's it, No, it's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely it's... trash. Why but... is it so long? I would love to. I want to check it out, obviously, because it's always held on. Of course, I'm going. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I saw that and I was like, I'm definitely gonna check this out after the, like the season is over or whatever. But yeah. I, I just wanted to see it. But I kind of wanna, yeah, I, I kind of wanna look at it just because 
it, it came out in 2014, so I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to see what differences that they that are in it based on you know mm-hmm. just the time and yeah. like the way the genre has progressed. I'm not sure she still fucked the devil. So I mean, pro- <laughs> probably I'd say that's a pretty fundamental piece of the story. But uh, just as far as visuals, I'd really I'd be interested. I mean, I'm not I'm definitely not watching this. It's got a 2.6 on Letterboxd and it's almost. Three hours long, so that's definitely is it. Long. It's 170 minutes. How long is this one? 138. So what the just f- what did you m- find? Another 40 minutes. Uh, dog, I don't know. I, I I really don't know where they. I and I I'm not gonna say I'm gonna watch it because I'm really not. When she said, "Let's make love." They made that into a 20 minute scene. I mean, maybe I, I'm not upset. Patrick J. Adams, who is that guy? I don't. I've never seen him before. Anyway, we're off topic. Anyway, yeah, but. Uh, other things I loved about the movie, um, I really liked, liked the acting in it. It was really good. I really liked... Oh, oh okay. No. I liked Guy. Guy was cool. Mm-hmm. I love I I the neighbors. I love the neighbors. They, Ruth. Uh, Ruth Gordon and Sidney Blackmer. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm sorry. For, the, for like 75% of the movie, Rosemary Woodhouse got on my goddamn nerves. Mia Farrow. I did not... I, her character was so annoying to me. Wow. I could not stand it. Like, because obviously, like, I knew that, like, she was kind of the most sane one in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out. I was like, bro, she's just trying to be neighborly. Why you got to be a bitch and not, like... <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, <laughs> just eat the fucking pudding. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> that was that was what bothered me. Like, she, her acting was fine. I just didn't like her character. We'll say that. Mm. Um, I also liked the... Even though I'm a Christian, like the 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 stuff we learned about like the cult and just like the satanic stuff was like cool in the way they presented it. Because mm-hmm. I'm definitely not finna sit up here and be like, oh yeah, that was really cool. So my mom could give me a text and be like, hey, church. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, but like just the way the way they presented it, I was like, okay, this that's uh that's that's they did that. So <laughs> um I I really I enjoyed that part of the movie. Um, I, I like when movies explain stuff like that to me and just like kind of give you a crash course on, you know, things that you would not normally learn about. Mm-hmm. Um, score was good. Cinematography is great. Um, the music kind of wasn't the most memorable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, like I really enjoyed my ride in this movie. Like that's the thing, like I said about this genre, like really just the ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride for sure. Mm-hmm. And like in terms of plot. So yeah. really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> What did you think of Rosemary's Baby, baby? Who? Baby. <laughs> that was a hell of a joke. Um, no, I really, I, I also really, really enjoyed this. This is a film that I'd heard a lot about uh, just over the years. Um, and I, I didn't really know much about it outside of, I think I knew the plot twist, I guess. the Well, yeah, I guess I did know the plot twist. Um, the fact that, you know, spoilers. Uh, she gives birth to Devil's baby, but uh, it, it still it still had a real uh, sense of meaning to me as far as like the or I guess maybe not sense of meaning, but the, it was still an effective twist. Like I, st- I think um, and that's actually a pretty interesting conversation that can be had in general, um, just because the idea of do spoilers really it, it, if if something is spoiled for you. Does that ruin the experience? Because if a movie is still able to uh, uh, take you along for a ride and do something that you know is coming and still have it be an effective uh, uh, 
moment, I guess, in the story. I think that's when a movie's really done its job uh, as far as the narrative is concerned. And I definitely think this one did. Because uh, like you said, this one feels uh, like some of these films, as we watch them, some of them feel uh, more like psychological thr- thrillers than others. Mm-hmm. And some of them don't necessarily fit the uh, the the... The genre, I'd say, and that's something that we've kind of run into last season. That's something we like. Yeah. We run into this season when we when we find these lists. Um, it's pretty subjective as to what what someone might define as a psychological thriller or a crime and gangster film or what have you. And so this film really, really feels like it embodies what it is, what it means mm-hmm. to be a psychological thriller, both in its uh, direct narrative, but also in the formal elements. That it brings to 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 bear, uh, speaking to um, the the way it's shot and the way it's edited and uh, the way that the sound is used. Like you said, the score isn't necessarily memorable, especially because two other films in this uh, set here, this this four movie block, I find to be really memorable in terms mm-hmm. of score. Um, but it's it's still really uh, it, everything works to heightened tension, and I think that is a really valuable. Uh, a piece of uh, I don't even know what I would say there, but I think uh, whenever everything moves in the direction of building tension, that's always something that I can really appreciate in a uh, in a film, especially given the context of what we're doing here. Um, to speak to just some of the things that you said, uh, I guess give a counterpoint because you said that you didn't really um, care for Mia Farrow as uh, Mia Farrow's character, Rosemary, the titular Rosemary. Um, Woodhouse, that's important. I yeah, like that last name. Woodhouse. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very important. I guess <laughs> it's Rosemary Woodhouse. It's like, bro, that's Rosemary Woodhouse. Like, oh, of course, of course. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, just have some respect. Do you know Rosemary? I, I, I do not. I do not know Rosemary should, Woodhouse. Right. So, dude, what should you be saying? I should be saying Rosemary Woodhouse. I should not be calling her by her first name. You know where you're supposed to be. Continue. Anyway, um, well, you better do before I was so rudely interrupted, as I was saying, to offer a counterpoint to what you said about not caring about or not caring, uh, to not liking Rosemary Woodhouse's character. Uh, I found it to be, um, I was on her side the entire movie because, and I think that might honestly go into the fact that I knew what was gonna go on, um, Mm. which kind of speaks to a greater problem here because. Uh, when I finished the movie, I was like, "Oh, this might as well be called Gaslighting." Like that's might as well. <laughs> granted, <laughs> granted, there's a movie called Gaslighting. So, hey, true. <laughs> but but like legitimately, like the, the movie feels like it's it's just yeah. This is a um a crash course in how to gaslight and how to make someone think that they're losing their mind because at every at every turn she is made to feel insane because everyone around her save for a couple people, but she's isolated from the people that mm-hmm. would uh, uh, reassure her and give her some sort of clarity. Right. She's isolated from them. And it's it's just, it's, 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 it's infuriating, especially because, and actually, no, I take that back because I think the movie does enough work to where even though you don't know like the big twist, like exactly what's going on, there's still enough there to be like, okay, no, like, these people are still suck. Like Rosemary's yeah. not the villain here. Like she's definitely the victim, and uh, it, it's just it was I hated it. Like I felt so uncomfortable watching it 
the same way that I feel uncomfortable watching uh, certain other things because it's just like, oh man, like I, I can't imagine what that would feel like. Yeah, just just, just being in an being in an environment where you're constantly told you're fucking crazy. It's yeah, like, bro, that's I, I can't. And I, you're and you're not. That's the thing. Like and you're exactly. not crazy. Like you you are one hundred percent in your right mind, and you are being made to feel as though you're not. That's how I felt watching the scene uh, where she's talking to um, not her doctor, but the new doctor they got her. Oh, yeah. Uh, Saperstein? Saperstein. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like telling her like, she was like, oh, I've been reading and like doing stuff and like, you know, make, doing research. And he's like, yeah, all that's bullshit. Do what I tell you to do. Yeah. Because I'm like, bro, like, A, that, that's kind of something a lot of doctors will tell pregnant women, but it's like, you know, they don't. They don't shit on you for it. Mm -hmm. They're like, hey, like this is like the best advice we can give, but mm -hmm. like obviously and the, do the, what you the do. movie the movie really plays on that. Yeah. In a, in a way that it's really just really smart. And I kinda I honestly wouldn't be opposed to reading the novel just to see how uh Polanski went in terms of uh adapting it. Because the way that they like do scenes like that, it's where and I think that's what makes it feel so uh, authentic in terms of its gaslighting, because I, I I don't think real effective gaslighting is a uh, is something that you say it like let's say I come to you and say the sky is blue, and then you're like no it's not it's fucking purple, and then you get a bunch of people around me to tell me it's purple. I think that might not be as quite as effective as something where you. It's it's um it's maybe not quite something that different where it's like oh you're ser you're seriously contrasting what I can see it's like oh if I see the sky is blue and you're like eh, actually it might have a little bit of a and then you say something uh, along the lines of something that's a little bit more uh, uh, within the realm of possibility and believability and it makes it harder for me to be like oh maybe maybe I am tripping a little bit maybe I do see maybe, maybe there is something that, uh, a little off with me. And it's and especially if you if you get it from a, a, a source that you expect to trust, like a doctor, mm. like if you do all your research and then they come and tell you, yeah, no, nah, fuck all that. Like, that's not don't listen to that. Not green is green juice. You'll be all right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, well, I mean, I, I guess like, I mean, you're a doctor. Like what? I'm not I'm not sitting here expecting to be uh, subjugated by a fucking cult. Like, that's not that's not a, a regular day for most people. And so. I just really like the way that the film uh, plays with that, plays in that, in that, uh, in that very dangerous and unsettling space of just making making you as an audience member feel everything that Mia Farrow is feeling because it's like, or I guess Rosemary is feeling because it's like, geez, this this oh, I feel disgusting, especially because we as an audience member know what's mm -hmm. going on. So like. Rosemary, the thing that's really fucking her up, she's she's on she's unclear. She doesn't know for a fact that these things are going on. She just feels it. She has an intuition. She has a sense. And granted, her sense is right, but at the end of the day, it's still just a sense. She's not actually yeah. sure. She can't she can't be one hundred percent clear that this is what's going on. But we, as an audience member, we have the benefit of seeing everything. We have the benefit of seeing um, just the shady shit that the uh, the cast of vets are doing. And uh, the way Guy is being being weird and different, it's, mm -hmm. we we know this stuff. So it's like, oh my God, Rosemary, like you're you're not crazy. I promise. Like you, please get out of there. And she can't really, she doesn't know that. And it's 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 really it, it's it's terrifying on another level because it's like it it's, it it uh, brings out this sense of isolation because she's in a 
not only is she in a place where she doesn't have family, she is by herself and all she has to go on is the word of those who she thinks are her loved ones. And or in this case, uh, Guy, because she doesn't even care about the cast of that so much. She actually she actually grows suspicious of them. But her husband, the man that she loves, the man that she trusts, he is uh, perpetuating this and uh, furthering this this sense of uh, dread that she is uh, being forced into. And it's mm. it's disgusting to watch. It's it's so unsettling. I hate it. But the movie is very good. And I, I think that's what makes it very good. The fact that it feels so authentic, that that feeling of a. Uh, um, isolation and uh, I, I don't even know the word here, um, but yeah, that's that that's generally the what what I come away with when I uh, was finished with the movie. And also to speak briefly to what you said about the uh, I guess intrigue of seeing something like a, a cult. Uh, I agree. I do. I do appreciate. I'm not intrigued. It was just a very interesting way of explaining it. Is intrigue not a synonym for interesting? Okay, I mean, not quite, but like, <laughs> he's a like, not quite, but okay. Put uh, <laughs> my point is, Osiris Quattro will not be joining the cult anytime soon, and I, I don't think, yeah, you know what? I'm not even no. Anyway, Hell Hydra. Fuck no, baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it, it was. I also was. Uh, I not even also since you don't want to use that word. I will say I was intrigued because I found it. Uh, you going to hell? <laughs> I was fascinated by what was going on just because it's like, oh wow, this is not shit that I would ordinarily know about. And granted, I don't know if this is necessarily real or whatever, but still, it was a uh, like I said, it was interesting. Uh, but I think that's uh, enough of that. I we just can... oh, I, I was like while sitting here, I just figured out. I was like, yo, it's kind of crazy how like Jesus's mama's name is Mary, and then like the devil's son now his mama's name is Rosemary. Like wow, crazy. Hey, that's, I don't know what, the hell that's is what funny. y'all listen to this show for. These connections, these these big brain. That's not funny. Uh, don't. <laughs> These uh, the, we we connecting dots out here that you motherfuckers ain't really think about. I I'm not saying nobody was thick. <laughs> <Amen. laughs> it's not funny. I was really like, I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> hey man, um, nah, like all bullshit aside, like I I definitely see where you're coming from. Like it's, this, I can tell that like I really that's another reason why I'm, I'd be interested in reading the novel just because it feels like this has been a really well thought out uh, idea. And uh, the story in terms of the way it's, um, you know, just dealt with. It's just, it's interesting. It's it's a lot of things um, going on in it. And uh, definitely worth a watch. Um, although I will say, if you have an aversion to anything satanic, probably don't watch it. Because it is unsettling. Uh, full transparency, I watch it on like a Saturday afternoon. So um, it, I was in a dark room, but it wasn't like nighttime. But anyway. And there's trigger warnings for... Certain situations. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, the, the film does feature uh, some sort of uh, a sexual assault. I don't remember how uh, vivid it is. Uh, but point is, it, it's in there. So uh, just, just all around, the movie is just a big old trigger warning. So, you know, uh, user, uh, 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 viewer discretion. What's the word? Parent- Viewer's discretion. Yeah. V- viewer discretion, parental advisory, all that shit. Um, parental advisory? You know. Just gotta throw the sticker on there. We got a parental advisory on our podcast. Hey, yeah. I want I want all the kids listening to us. 
I don't want that. Actually, fuck them kids. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, true. Anyway, uh, what what you rating Rosemary's Baby Man out of out of ten? <sighs> let me let me let me get an eight. Eight. All right, cool. Solid I'm, eight. I'm sitting at a nine. I gave it a okay, four and a half cool. out of on Letterbox. It really really did them did really uh, move the needle for me. If it was on Criterion, currently out of print, I would 100 percent have copped it. We'll move on to the next film. Uh, next up here we have. The Conformist, or Il Conformista, the original title. It's an Italian film. Released in 1970, directed by Bernardo Bertolucci, written by Bernardo Bertolucci, based on the novel by Alberto Moravia, starring Jean-Louis Trintignant, Stefania Sandrelli, Gaston Moschin, and Enzo Tarasquio. I feel like I've killed all those names. I am terribly sorry. Uh, but we have a Rotten Tomato score of 98% with a critics consensus that reads, A commentary on fascism and beauty alike, Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist is acclaimed for its sumptuous visuals and extravagant artful cinematography. Meno cinque, meno quattro, meno tre, meno due, meno uno. Abbiamo trasmesso il segnale orario delle ore tredici. Bello. Marcello, non li dai a me? Oggi ho un folle bisogno dei tuoi fiori, sai? Da qua. Per te. Ah, sai che ho pensato? Devo andare da uno chiromante. Voglio sapere tutto di te. Ma cosa fai lì? And that feels almost just as accurate as the last critics consensus because this movie is fucking beautiful. It is it is truly a, a masterclass in cinematography. I'd agree. I'd but agree. Uh, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and tell the people how you uh, felt about The Conformist. Oh, was it released in 1971? Did I get that year wrong? Eh, might have been a hair split there here or there. Point is, it was released in the early 70s. Anyway, continue. Didn't start speaking because you interrupted. Well, me. I can start speaking. Begin. So, uh, I don't like the way you came at me there. Like that just felt real parental, and I just don't appreciate. Well, it. I mean, you're not you, my parent. You're being a jackass. I know you're old enough to be my parent, but you're not my parent. I'm really not. <laughs> really, unless I had, unless I was your, unless I had you when I was like the one. Then no. <laughs> hey, bro, you about to be hey, Mac Daddy over there? You never know. <laughs> My thoughts on uh, the conformist. Please, uh, please, please. Uh, on upon the rewatch, one of the biggest things that I figured out is how well this movie does in like differentiating um, Marcelo from the rest of the cast of this movie. Like they really wanted to use the great word in the last movie, isolating you know who he was and like his character quirks. As somebody who like never truly fits in, like he's just looking to belong to something. Mm-hmm. Hence, how he ends up in you know the spoilers fascist. for the conformists as well. Honestly, spoilers for everything we're about to be talking about. Light spoilers, maybe hard spoilers. Sorry, just gotta let him know. 
I don't appreciate. I don't know why you clapping right now. I'm trying to tell I everybody. I want to know on. like what fuck my excuse me was. Um, that's what I want to know. Well, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I had to tell everybody light spoilers because I wasn't sure if you were gonna, if you were gonna spoil the movie. Go ahead. Just you know, excuse me. Throw a hand up. Tap me on the shoulder. Sue me a text. I I just really feel like there's a there's a there's a vacuum in our communication going on and like. If it happens again, it's gonna be a vacuum upside fucking upside your fucking head. Dang. So it's like I'm just forewarning you. Like y'all heard it, right? So the next time we do it and y'all just hear and Mike's knocking over, you know what happened. Continue. Do your little snaps so we can get to I'm the not, door. I'm not snapping You're shit not snapping. out. That okay. was fine. All right, cool. That was fine. I, I know that it was. was a perfectly so fine exchange. Please. Continue. I'm waiting on him, y'all. Continue what you were saying. I'm waiting on him, y'all. Am I good to go? Yes. I'm good to go, boss continue. man. Continue. Continue. Apologize. Oh, with me. I'm. I'm. All right. So, as I was saying, if I was, you know, rudely interrupted, um, that just that sense of isolation was really interesting to me, and like, what was I? Oh, yeah. It was like, hence why he ended up joining, uh, the fascist movement, and you know, going to you know assassinate people and stuff like that. And then, like, you know, just the way they showed you that isolation was really cool. Like the scene where they're dancing in the um in the little dance hall and like he's in the middle and he looks like visibly uncomfortable visibly like what the hell and then everybody around him is laughing and giddy and going around him in circles i really love that scene um just a great like i love visual tells like that that show a character um where you can really learn so much about a character without any dialogue being spoken i thought that was really cool uh the cinematography of course we we mentioned it was absolutely amazing my favorite shot being when uh, he goes into the office to meet with, um, who was he meeting with? What was that guy's the name? The professor? The prof- no, not the professor. Was it the professor in that giant ass room? And then it was just like a desk in the middle? I think that was a professor, yeah. I thought it was like the the handler or the guy that gave him the mission to go get the professor. Because at that point, the professor hadn't been in the movie yet. Maybe. It was either the professor or, let me pull up the, the cast list right quick. It was... Uh, Either either Professor Quadri or not Italo. It wasn't it wasn't the the blind guy, was it? It was right after that scene. It was probably Manganello then. Manganello. He was he was um the guy that was kind of following him the whole time, like just ushering him in. So maybe his hand. Or, he he felt to me like a handler, like he was like kind of watching over him. Or oh. Oh, I think I know what it's the older guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that was oh man, I do not remember who that was. I know what you're talking about though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that was one of my that was my favorite shot in the movie. Um, and I also really liked um Marcelo's interactions with um Marcello. What I say, Marcelo? Yeah, Marcello. Marcello. I liked his interactions with Mangianello. Yeah, Manganello. Man, man. Mangan, yeah, yeah, Manganello, sure. Yeah, I like their interactions a lot. Um, he just, it very felt, it very much felt like uh, a handler with like a spy and like a like an old spy movie, and they're just like keeping people on track, you know. Like there was always that. I remember his name, but there was a guy in Goldmember, uh, one of the James Bond films, and he basically was Are just you like about Goldfinger. I say Goldmember. Yeah, that's Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> Gold finger. What I say? What's it? You said gold member. The movie is gold finger. Finger. Yeah. Yeah. Gold finger 
where the the guy kind of like uh, 007 Tandler was just basically making sure that he wasn't you know fucking every girl in sight. So like this one, he was just like, hey, make sure you stay on the stay on the track. One of my favorite uh, conversations when they were talking about, uh, you know, I, even I thought about deserting too. But you know, I smoked a cigar, pat myself on the back, and was like, hey, come on, you you know what this is about. And you know, it just played on to like you know um, Marcello's. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. He's playing on to Marcello's wanting to be involved, wanting to be a part of something. Um, just playing to that. And I really enjoyed that. Movie was really good. Really liked it. It was a very slow burn. It was a little, probably one of the more boring movies that we've watched so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, still good. Still, a, still a pretty interesting, fun ride. Agreed. Um, just to, just to speak a little bit about The Conformist. Uh the first time I watched it, I fell asleep. I didn't really enjoy it. It was also late when I watched it. So, like, it was one of those, like, the movie didn't necessarily put me to sleep. I was just tired when mm-hmm. I watched it. But um, the movie didn't help. Like, it didn't, it definitely didn't uh, keep my attention. Uh, to speak to it, like, to just to, you know, I guess, confirm, I guess, what you said. It is definitely a very slow burn. Um, on I did end up rewatching it. And I did like it a lot more on the rewatch. There was a lot more going Absolutely. on than I thought it would. Um, and I think that there's something really, uh, uh, fascinating about the way that the, the movie works. Uh, like you said, the way that, um, Marcello is isolated and, uh, he, he, the, the actor, uh, John Lou, John Luis Trintignant, I really hope, I really should learn how to say that name anyway. Um, how to he, speak French or Italian, and then you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> he do, he does a, a a great job. He brings a lot to the role um, in terms of just subtlety, and uh, it it's it, it's a really solid uh, piece of piece of uh, work as, in terms of uh, performances. Um, but I think the thing that stuck out to me the most, like without question, nothing else ever, nothing else comes close to this aspect of the film. For me, uh, the cinematography like that was it was amazing. It was so good. Um, camera movement was on point. There was a lot of uh, uh, snap zooms and shit like that, which is something that is interesting to me because typically whenever you see camera movement forward, it's not really a zoom. It's just a track in. But um, it's always to me noticeable when I see the camera zoom as opposed to move. Oh, absolutely. And it's uh, it's it's really it's just a. It's a very interesting and conscious choice just because typically it's not a zoom. The camera moves because just zooming in is uh, kind of frowned upon in, uh, by a lot of people. And so seeing seeing that um, is just really interesting because it's so different. Uh, and and on top of that, though, the coloring like the, it was just the colors were so vibrant and and uh, poppy and were a great, great contrast to the. Uh, the really muted and subdued performance of uh, the main character. Uh, he he didn't really. It, it's just a really interesting. I really like the contrast between those two things. Uh, it it kind of juxtaposes uh, formally, at least. Um, where uh, I, and honestly, now that I say that out loud, I don't really know exactly what I think that means. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why. The Conformist as a movie, I think, is something that would really benefit from ben- from re- repeat viewings. Um, I think it's something that every time you watch it, you pick up something different. Because I know that I sure sure shit picked up more things on this second time around, and um, I would definitely look into 
The only reason I wouldn't want to revisit it in the future is because it's so slow. Um, it does take a minute before it gets uh, any anything really interesting happens, per se. Uh, and I, I think also, though, on repeat viewings, because you know what's going on, you might find the beginning stuff a little bit more interesting just because uh, a lot of that probably does inform some of the later sequences. Not probably. It absolutely does. But still, uh, it, it's it's a slow burn and it can get boring. Uh, it, it doesn't. It, I did have a hard time keeping my interest. Uh, I was I was able to, obviously, but it's um, it was a bit of a chore to get through, uh, at least in the beginning. But once mm. once it gets its uh, once we get into Paris and we get with, around Anna and uh, excuse me, uh, Professor Quadri, which though, honestly, my favorite part of the movie because while the main character uh John Louis Trig Trignant uh his performance was very good i didn't find the character all that interesting or compelling in any way which is why i think the beginning is so difficult to get through mm-hmm. but because you put him with anna or anna and uh her Dr. husband Quadri. professor quadri and as well as his uh his her uh the main like the main character's wife um julia uh yeah julia they, the the thing that really keeps my interest, the thing that really fa- I found compelling was the way Anna, Anna, and uh, Quadri kind of influenced and had anything to do with uh, everybody involved. So Anna's relationship with um, Marcello, Anna's relationship with Julia, uh, 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 Quadri's relationship with Julia. Quadri's relationship with uh, 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 Marcello. These were the things that were really able to keep my uh, attention, especially because there's a lot of sexual tension going on there. And that's just really, uh, it, it just, it, it, it makes for a, um, an otherwise kind of dull piece of uh, a story. Uh, it, it really adds some color for me personally. Um, is there anything else I want to say? Uh, and honestly, another reason why I think that I would end up revisiting this, just because the fascist stuff, I wasn't really that tuned into this time around. Um, and I think I would like to revisit it so I could be, just because I feel like there's definitely some interesting stuff going on there. That was one thing that interest, intrigued me about this movie, um, because usually when you look at like World War II and like the fascist regime, like... You get it from, especially like given where we live and you know where we where we come from. It we get more of the either the American perspective or the German perspective because those are the two you know main characters of World War Two. But you know, like people don't forget, but like there, it was a world war. Like there were hella places um, that were involved, and so to get this perspective from Italy was really interesting to me. Yeah, Mussolini's Italy, just to be uh, specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just the the fascist regime of of Italy. Uh, I think there's something more interesting there that I was that I picked that I didn't pick up on that would uh, otherwise lead me to want to revisit the film uh, just because I know that there's some more stuff here that uh, could be picked apart. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, let's go ahead and rate this bad boy before we go ahead and get on to the next film. What you giving the Conformist, boss man? Out of ten. Let me let me get an eight. Mm, okay, nice, eight. nice. I'm giving. I'm going seven. The first time I watched it, it was a six. I was like, yeah, this is this is not great. But I also felt like I think a lot. I was of that, at the seven on my first watch. 
a lot of the time, a lot of that came down uh, to the fact that I fell asleep because revisiting it was really, really, uh, really improved it. Uh, and I think in the future, I can see myself watching this again and I can see myself really appreciating it the more I watch it. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm giving I'm going seven. But that's it. That's it for the conformist. Let's go ahead and move on to the third film of our uh, block today. We have The Conversation, uh, released in 1974, directed by uh, Francis Ford Coppola, friend of the show, written by Francis Ford Coppola, uh, making a return uh, from his his uh, The Godfather series last last season. If you listen to season one, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but we have a uh, starring Gene Hackman. John Cazale, Alan Garfield, and Frederick Forrest, with a Rotten Tomato score of 96% and a critic's consensus that reads, this tense paranoid thriller presents Francis Ford Coppola at his finest and makes some remarkably advanced arguments about technology's role in society that still resonate today. Sick when I was a boy. I was very sick when I was a boy. I was paralyzed in my left arm and my left leg. Uh... Couldn't walk for six months. One doctor said that I'd probably never walk again. My mother, my mother used to lower me to, into uh, a hot bath. It was, it was therapy. One time the doorbell rang. She went down to answer it. I started sliding down. I could feel the water. It started coming to my chin and my nose. And uh, when I woke up, I, my body was all greasy. Holy oh, she, she put on my body. I remember being disappointed I survived. When I was five, uh, for, uh, my father introduced me to a friend of his, and for no reason at all, I hit him right in the stomach with all my strength. Uh, he died a year later. Uh, he'll kill you if he gets a chance. I'm not afraid of death. Uh, just to clarify, we do not know Francis Ford Coppola personally. He's not a friend of the show. I'm almost, I, I will bet every dollar that I will ever make in my life that he has not heard an episode to this point. Um, yeah. But go ahead and tell the people how you feel, felt, I guess, about the, the conversation, my dude. Well, first off, Gene Hackman, period. That's the tweet. Gene Hackman. Yeah. Uh, Probably most famously known for Lex Luthor in the original Superman. I don't know. I'd say that's probably one of his more famous roles. I don't think that's his most famous. What's more famous? Uh, probably his... I mean, just looking at the popularity... Looking at his films ranked in popularity on Letterboxd, the Royal Tenenbaums, is higher up. Plus, you're, you're a DC fan, you're a Superman fan, so you'd probably... It, it makes sense that you would know him from that. Cap. Hell no. I give a I give a solid piece of explanation. Say I say something of actual value. You're like, nope, cap, <laughs> cap. I love that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that for me, yeah, uh, Gene Hackman. So I was like, yeah. So I'm definitely gone. This is obviously already in the top five because Gene Hackman. Uh no, but no, I really enjoyed this movie and majorly in part because of Gene Hackman's Gene Hackman's performance. He just really played that like awkward, you know, mentally tortured character in this movie, which I really enjoyed watching. 
like my one of my favorite scenes is when he invites all of his uh homies after the convention back to his uh workspace mm-hmm. and they're like talking and like you know talking shop or whatever and they're trying to like egg him into like you know because he's like the best in the game you know he's like a legend in their field and they're, they're like trying to you know get into that knowledge and you know kind of kind of dip into the barrel and he's just like mm, no i not really I'm, I'm like awkward i don't know why i brought y'all back here this is uh and he just really does a great job with that and then like just the plot and him trying to prevent something that he thinks he heard uh in this conversation with this couple was really interesting to me and i the cinematography was pretty good in this movie um, I love seeing New York um, in in movies because it's shot in so many different ways. Like it's different almost every time I see it, and it, sometimes I feel like I'm not even in New York a lot of the time. And this movie was one of those um, that I felt like um, that I felt was accomplished in this film. Um, one of the one of my favorite things about France, Francis Ford Coppola's Coppola mm. Coppola's movies is his dialogue and the way he used dialogue in this film was very uh, intentional, which is what I really enjoyed. Um, but I really enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would, to be real honest. So that's dope. That's dope. I uh, I'd seen this before this season, mm. as with most of the fucking movies in this season. Uh, I, I'd seen. Well over half. Like I've seen a lot of the stuff that uh, going into this season, but I saw this. Um, I'd say about a year ago. Uh, yeah, time is weird, but yeah, it, it was a, a year ago. And uh, rewatching it, I was a little hesitant to do so. Just be or not hesitant, just um, reluctant uh, because I was like, eh, I don't remember it being all like it's good, but it's a little boring. Like I just wasn't really. It wasn't high on my priority list. I wasn't actively looking forward to doing so. And whenever I did uh, rewatch it, I was instantly regretful of my uh, hesitancy mm. or reluctance to get to it, just because it's so much better than I remember it being. One and two, it is uh, something that I like. I, I don't remember liking it that much. Like I gave, I have the, like the score that I gave it now on the rewatch is the same that I gave it back when I watched it the first time, mm. and yet it feels like I liked it more. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like I, I didn't give it any higher of a score. But it's like maybe what I gave it last time was like, eh, you know, it's a this it's this. Like that's what I gave it as opposed to now. It's like, oh, this is a solid blank. Like that's mm. really how I felt about it. I'm hiding. I'm I'm not revealing what I rated it just for the sake of so yeah, y'all don't know yet. Um But uh and actually I really like what you mentioned about the sequence where he invites everyone back to his uh like warehouse or whatever, uh after the convention. And I think Gene Hackman and just to highlight further Gene Hackman's brilliance in this movie, because he um, is one, this is a, this is 100% a film that if the lead does not do their job, it mm. is not as good as it could be. Mm. Um, and he, he plays that beautifully because Gene Hackman, uh, uh, Harry call in the movie uh, is very, is very socially awkward, very reserved, uh, very private person. And I think honestly, some of his social, social awkwardness like the way that we perceive it to be like awkwardness i think a lot of that might just be coming from him not even being awkward just he's extremely paranoid like he's Mm, he's so against being uh i guess understood and uh being vulnerable with anyone like scrutinizing the way that he ends up doing to others 
hmm? scrutinizing the same way that he ends up doing it to others. Exactly. Like yeah. he 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 know he goes about life being super uh, attentive, super aware, and he doesn't want that to happen to him. He doesn't want someone to pick mm-hmm. apart his actions. Right. And that's why he's he himself is a super reserved, super to himself kind of person. And uh, but there's a there's a moment, um, and he's also not he's very modest. He doesn't, or at least he feigns to. Uh, he has a, a a false sense of modesty. Uh, and I think some of that either it's, it's you could read it a couple different ways. You could read it as either it's a false sense of modesty and it's really his true colors are coming out uh, uh, after he's been get in a, put in a situation where he's been started to get praised. Or you can read it as he's a genuinely modest person uh, and he just so happens to let himself let a uh, let his um, let, let him get by, get beside himself. Because in that in that sequence, um, his uh, who who's working who works for him? Uh, what's his name? Uh, freaking is it Stan? Yeah, Stan. His uh, his employee slash partner, more so employee. Uh, they're all at the uh, they're all at his warehouse after the convention that they go to, and Stan is just just hyping him up, singing his praises like, "Oh, Harry, tell him about this thing you did. Tell him about that thing you did. It's so good. And, like no one else has done it nearly as good as you have, uh, Harry." And Harry starts to feel uh, you. You see, he's he's kind of uh, resistant to it at first, but then he's. I forget what exactly is said, but uh, um, what's the word? Uh, fucking fucking. Uh, Stan brings up a certain job that Harry was able to pull off, and it's like, oh shit! Like this is this is a really difficult one. Like there's, it doesn't make sense how Harry was able to do it, mm. and he starts to feel. He's feeling like the the pride of, oh yeah, like I shouldn't have been able to do that, and yet I did. Like mm. I pulled this off. Um, I'm like that. Yeah, like, basically, like I'm like that. I'm that dude. You, you, I'm the best in the game. And he's starting to feel that, and it starts to grow. And it's and there's a there's a sense there there's a moment where his uh his modesty and his paranoia and his shyness kind of fall away, and he kind of gets a little boastful. And it ends up uh, going away almost as soon as it come as it came up because um he gets he ends up revealing more than he wanted to, and he ends up being made a fool out of um all in good fun but he was very offended by that but it's just it's just a moment like that uh really uh to me at least highlights the the strength of hackman's performance like he really he really brings a lot to the role and i think without him the film would not be as good as it is um i agree formally speaking uh the sound design is perfect like it's just in a a film like this because it's about surveillance and it's about uh buggers and stuff like Mm -hmm. that people who place bugs on you know telephones and shit like that trackers and um so so it's a it's it's a there's a lot of there's a real sense of uh attention to detail that is necessary when dealing with a story um like this with people that are i guess in in this field and the sound design really reflects it it kind of reminds me of the way the sound design uh in sound of metal reflects um, i was just the story that you're that you're in you know you're in a you're in a you're in a story about uh, a, a person losing their hearing and the sound design of the film really reflects that and kind of um, puts you in that in that same situation. So it's it's really uh, really good in the way that they handle that. And I I love love the sound design in the film. Uh, the score is f- fucking amazing. amazing. Like I like there's the piano that they really that they play with. Of uh, the theme of the movie is um, every time it comes on, I just I, I just fall in love with it all over again. One of the um, most interesting things about me, when like when I first uh, saw this movie on the list and what it was about, it was I was intrigued because this would be it came out in '74, two years after Watergate, and like 
I was like really interested to see if they were going to play with. They mentioned it like once, but I was like, yo, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's and that's another thing that I guess uh, this is the last thing I'll say before we move on. Um, I, I really actually ended up writing a little bit about this because the first time I saw it was for my film class. And so I ended up writing about it a little bit. And um, the just thinking about it in the context of where it came out in just history. Mm-hmm. And it's it it definitely, like the critic consensus said, it definitely has some interesting and surprisingly um, uh, 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 applicable, that's not the word I'm looking for, but I can't remember and I don't feel like looking, I don't feel like trying to think of it, uh, but the, the, the lessons it feels like it's dealing with and just like the themes that are at play here feel like they're still relevant today there's the uh the fear of a surveillance state and being tracked and, and looked after by you know the the um the the scary big brother that kind of thing and there's a lot going on in, in the film with that and i think there's a lot of uh there's there's a lot of elements in it that kind of ref- mirror that or not necessarily mirror uh reflect that's the same fucking word tie that's stupid anyway um my point is the film really, um, you it it feels like it was a it was a conscious effort uh, or a conscious thought on the part of uh, Coppola and the filmmakers um, with the story and thinking about what that means, like what what the idea of you know uh, tracking and and surveillance and and what that really means because like you said, in the, like Watergate was a couple of years prior to the movie mm-hmm. coming out, and it's. It, it's definitely just something that is um that is interesting and i i like the way that it's uh it's uh it, it the film is able to remain so um what i i feel like uh relevant thematically because of uh its association with uh surveillance and shit like that but i think we can uh go ahead and move on um uh what, what would you give the conversation bro i'd give the conversation 8. 5. 8.5. 8.5. 8.5. Nice, nice. I um I was I gave it a four and a half or sorry a four out of five so like an eight out of ten. Um, sorry. I, <laughs> I like, wish I could what? see Quattro's face because imagine I say all that good shit and I'm like yeah four out of ten. <laughs> it's not like you. It's not like shit you do. <laughs> you know. Your criticism, it's unfounded, it's unfair, mm-hmm. it's, it's venomous. That's how you feel. It's honestly, it's hurtful. Wow. And honestly, I, it's it's just sad. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. Really, that's how you feel. You really should just do better. Hey man, fuck you. Uh, anyways. Wow. So- <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thought we was together today. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. It's the last episode. Figure it out. But we got a whole. Okay. It's only episode two. Better call a friend of the show, Francis. <laughs> Better call Saul, nigga. I don't tell you. Two hours later. Anyway, we got the last movie coming up, guys. Oh, Taxi Driver, released in 1976, directed by another friend of the show, Martin Scorsese, written by Paul Schrader, starring Robert De Niro, Jodie Foster, Sybil Shepard, and Albert Brooks, with a Rotten Tomato score of 96%. Uh, with a critic consensus that reads, a must-see film for movie lovers, this Martin Scorsese masterpiece is as hard-hitting as it is compelling, with Robert De Niro at his best. Why do you want me to go back to my parents? I mean, they hate me. 
Why do you think I split in the first place? There ain't nothing there. Yeah, but you can't live like this. It's a hell. A girl should live at home. Didn't you ever hear of women's lib? What do you mean, women's lib? You sure a young girl. You should be at home now. You should be dressed up. You should be going out with boys. You should be going to school. You know, that kind of stuff. God, are you square? Hey, I'm not square. You're the one that's square. You're full of shit, man. What are you talking about? You, you walk out with those fucking creeps and lowlifes and degenerates out on the street and you sell your, sell your little pussy for nothing, man? For some lowlife pimp? Stands in a hall? I'm the, I'm square. You're the one that's square, man. I don't go screw and fuck with a bunch of killers and junkies the way you do. You call that being hip? What world are you from? Again, clarification. Martin Square says he is not an actual friend of the show. However, Marty, if you're out there, Marty, Marty, Marty is slide, not- slide, bro. You know we got we got a seat for you. I mean we don't, but we can we can make one. You can take my seat. I don't give a fuck. Come on. Yeah, you can take you can give my you can give my shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, fuck. Um, but yeah. Uh, what what you what you thinking of uh what you what you think of Taxi Driver, bro? But Joker better. Bruh. I'll fuck with you. I'll fuck with you. I'll oh fuck with you. Oh my god! <laughs> Backing with you. <laughs> no, I really was excited to watch this again. Robert De Niro did an amazing job with this film. I right. think um, he just shines from the beginning to the end in the way that he just grad not even gradually, but like he's a shit person through and through like it just is what it is like there's not really too many redeeming qualities about him like in the beginning you kind of get a sense of like oh you know he's kind of just a loner weird guy but as the movie progresses like it definitely you know shines through that he is not a character that is necessarily to be rooted for um he's got his quirks of course but like he's definitely not at the end of the day he's still a racist misogynist yeah like Incel, yeah. Like he's, he's there, yeah. There's not, there's not much. It, there's actually nothing about him that's really redeeming. Well, let no. you let you tell it the first time you watched it. And okay, it. No, let you tell it. No, all right. I will, was clear, next, I will. I'll explain when it's my turn. It's the because, second coming. Let you tell it. So. <laughs> all right. Let me. Let, anyway, you fucking do your thing, man. I'm. I'm. A, I'll have to explain when it gets to my turn. One another thing I really love about Taxi Driver is the cinematography. I love the tracking shot mm. of the taxi. It's one of my. It's gas. It's just. Nut. What the hell did you just say? All over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's hey, amazing. Yo. I love it. Hey, <laughs> Inject it directly into my veins. Hey, yo. That <laughs> nigga's tripping. And then also, this movie, I really um, enjoyed watching. Anytime now. Who do enjoy watching? Which debate the girl the little girl was Jodie Foster. Foster. Yeah, not her. Um Sybil Shepherd. Yes. She um who played Betsy, she really stuck out for me, uh this the rewatch for this season. Uh she was really cool. I really enjoyed uh like just her interactions with Travis Bickle, uh, Robert De Niro's character. Um the ending, again, I just really loved the ending of this movie and just the way that not well, not the ending, like the that violence at the end, mm-hmm. like where he's where he kills um, Jodie Foster, Iris, Iris's pimp, and like all those guys. Harvey, I really I mean, enjoyed that. Some, you better put some respect on Harvey Keitel's name. 
Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Matthew Sport Higgins. He yeah. also was amazing. Yeah, that's Harvey Keitel. That's yeah. Harvey motherfucking Keitel. Yeah, I know that's your boy. I know you like him. I know you like your Harvey. <laughs> I prefer Harvey Dent, but... um, <sighs> This motherfucker. The score for this film. <laughs> really enjoyed it. Oh, my God. The character work, I, I always love studying um, the character of Travis Bickle. I had to write a paper on it for my psychology class or my film class, one of them. Legit, like, y'all, I had to write a paper on the Joker movie and uh, Taxi Driver, like, in one sitting because I was procrastinating on schoolwork. And, like, one of them was for a film class and the other one was for a psychology class. I'm pretty sure I cross-pollinated those those papers. Still got an A, still passed. So boom. I think we talked about this actually on I think one of our old episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Travis Bickle is a character I've always enjoyed studying, and I just love how this movie really is a character study for him. And it's one of the reasons I love, love, love Martin Sorsky's work on this film and this film as a whole. I love it. Amazing film. I agree, one hundred percent. Scorsese run away. He didn't run. Away. Oh no, he didn't run away with it last season either. Sorry. He almost did, but he didn't. Oh yeah. Uh well, spoilers I guess. Actually no, not spoilers. Oh really? I didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah true. A few for both directors that were in that. Uh, very season. true, very true. Well, hey, uh, go go check out season one if you haven't already. Anyway, um, my thoughts on Taxi Driver. Just to explain what was going on when he was talking about you know what I said about the movie back in the day. Uh, I saw it for the first time in April of 2020, and. I still thought Travis Bickle was a bad character, bad person, great character, bad person, but I was a lot more sympathetic towards him and for very stupid reason, like looking back, I don't know why. I think I just misunderstood the movie as a whole, Um, because on this on this rewatch, it's very clear to me uh, that he's a piece of shit, like he's not someone we're supposed to root for by any stretch of the imagination. And there is, it doesn't necessarily start off that way because he, um, he, he's very weird. Like it, it's, it's very clear that he's a loner. He's got, um, he's got weird tendencies to him. He's a bit of a weirdo, but he's not, he doesn't come out and immediately say like, um, anything like extremely bad immediately. Fair. Right. Uh, but it's, it's just. There's there's a little hints of it, like you know he he speaks of the filth in New York City, and it's just like eh, that's not great, but you know maybe yeah that's not great. And then uh, I think the, more than anything, this movie really made me cringe when I was watching it, just because it's like especially when it comes to uh, Travis and uh, Betsy's uh, interactions, because it starts off like it it starts off so strong because he comes up to her. He asks her out. He's he's direct. He's forward, but he's not creepy. At least I didn't perceive him to be creepy. He didn't he didn't cross into that line. You know, he was flirting. He looked like he was he looked like he was doing an okay job. She looked like she was enjoying it. He looked like he was enjoying it. It was just a it was a a very healthy uh, courtship, is what it looked like. Mm. And then um, it, it's but it's very clear that he doesn't understand people, um, and it's just it's just really painful to watch. Especially when he ends up deciding to take her to the porn movie like that, that is just that was so rough. It's like that, oh. yeah, that, every time I watch that scene, I'm like, why? why? It's like oh, like when he's like, we can go to the movie, 
we can go to a movie together. I'm like, please tell me you're not about to go to the porn movie with this lady. Because he's been... At that point in the movie, we've seen him spend some of his time at a porn yeah. movie. Uh, which is also wild to me that there used to be theaters of that. Like, is that still... No, there fully still is. I mean, yeah. I, I, probably in a, city, in a city like New York, I would not be surprised. There's one in Tally. Wow. That is... Bonkers. That I've never been to. The lie detector determined that was a lie. But I do know there is one. That is that is fucking nuts. Um, also, I'm calling bullshit. Anyway, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it, it's just like, ah, oh, don't take her. Th- why, ah, oh, you, you were doing so well, and then he really was, bro. He's putting the moves on. He her, was, bro. he was, and then it, he does that, and then. As soon that's the real test. It's like as soon as uh, he finds, as soon as she, you know, understandably so, is like you fucking weirdo. Why would you do like? I don't want to go. I don't want to watch a porn movie with you. First of all, I just met you. Second of all, what the fuck? Like I don't want to go watch <laughs> porn in a movie theater. What the hell is wrong with you? Uh, and he's after after all that happens, he blames her. He doesn't he doesn't look in the mirror. He's like, oh, she's just like the rest of them. She's good for nothing. It's like, oh, you suck. Like you, you are a bad man. Like you, he's a bad no, man. No, not that kind of bad man. He's just a straight up bad person. Bad man. Um, and, and and it's just it's just really painful to watch. But it is. I mean, Robert De Niro, uh, like the critics, critics, critics consensus said, um, this is certainly in the conversation for uh, one of his better better performances, just because. He really embodies the uh, the disgustingness that is Travis Bickle, and um, it, it is uh, also on the rewatch. It was it was wild to see just how much of a carbon copy this is with uh, Joker twenty nineteen because I already knew that, but like I already knew that Mark, uh, Todd Phillips basically taken uh, direct inspiration from uh, King of Comedy and Taxi Driver, but I hadn't watched that movie with it in mind and. Having done so, it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm seeing, it's, it's like I'm seeing shot for shot almost what exactly happened here. So, yeah, it, uh, it, it def- I still really like Joker. I still think Joker is a really good movie, but it definitely, um, it, it you kind of lose some of the respect for it, I guess, in terms of it's like, and this might be an analogy that doesn't really work, but it's the same kind of thing where I'm a lot more likely to respect a rapper who writes their lyrics versus one that, uh, has a ghostwriter. Because there is obviously merit in having a ghostwriter, but there's something to be said for someone who can come up with, um, you know, good music and on their own, as opposed to having someone write the words for them. I don't know, because I, I feel like I mildly disagree, because I'm like, even though like you wrote, you strung together like you know, some some amazing you know works of art in terms of the way you strung together your words, but I just also feel like there is merit in the execution of putting said words together like um like of course um what example do I want to use okay so like for like the iPhone of course everybody you know gives it to Steve Jobs and he created the iPhone and what it was and what it is now and but you know you have Steve Wozniak who you know wrote the code did a lot of the grunt work that comes into making the iPhone and what it was and like the first uh, Apple computer and you know all the fame and stuff and notoriety and respect goes to the Steve Jobs over Steve Wozniak um, even though like it took Steve Wozniak to you know execute it and I think like in in our situation with 
Taxi Driver and Joker, although Joker is very, 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 very similar to the events and the plot points and the way it's constructed uh, with Taxi Driver, I still think there's merit in like how it's executed and how they were able to bring in that element of the Joker to you know this story. Okay, fair, fair. I can see that, but I I do think. Uh, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, and I, I can I can respect that as a point, as a just a general point. Um, but I guess moving moving on, the score was 100 uh, percent one of my favorite thing things about this movie. The theme, just like in um the conversation, the theme of this is very memorable, and uh, it really brings a lot out of the film. It, it's uh it's it's iconic. And it feels like uh, something that it, it fits the movie uh, beautifully. Um, what else is there? Uh, cinematography also uh, awesome. Like you said, that tracking shot is great. But the, and there's just a lot of there's a lot of uh, just just beauty in in the in the camera in this uh, this film. Um, is there anything else? Uh, excuse me. Now, and I think it's it's um this is something that I haven't really spent much time. Uh, trying to, to to think about in in exact terms but i think that uh the psychological thriller uh the genre that we've that we've picked for this season or i guess you guys helped us pick uh it's an interesting it's an interesting one because there's a lot of different ways in which it kind of a film can occupy that space because uh say for example a movie like uh per uh not persona a uh, psycho um, isn't really all that much. Uh, is a lot of the thrill of that film doesn't necessarily come from the psychological aspect, but more mm. so like the situational stuff. Mm. Whereas, um, say take for example a film like uh, uh, The Conversation, which is almost uh, or, or no Taxi Driver, which is more so interested in the um the the uh the the mental the psychological part of it, and that makes it uh, the thriller. And there are moments, there are movies that uh, kind of that balance it better than others. But I think Taxi Driver as a film um, definitely is more so uh, about the psychological aspect of it. And I don't mean that as a negative. I just mean yeah. it as, a, as an observation. Uh, that's based, that's just just a thought that I had. Kind of like in first season, how some films more so told to the crime line than they did the gangster. Yeah, vice versa. Per, exactly, e- exactly. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's just a thought that I, that I was having. Um, but yeah, I think, honestly, I think that's all I have to say about Taxi Driver. Uh, it is, it is excellent. Um, uh, 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 I feel like there's something else I was going to say, but we don't, we probably don't, we're, we're running out of time anyway. Um, so yeah, it, we've, we've been here long enough. Uh, I expect full transparency. I expect, um, taxi driver to make it into the sweet 16. I do, so I do too. We'll, we'll be, we'll be, um, we'll, we'll be talking about it a little bit more, but this is, this is a, a big season. There's a lot of steep competition here. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited to get into it. Um, next episode we got, um, actually, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. What would, what do you, uh, what do you give taxi driver, bro? Nine out of 10. Same. Same, I'm right there with you, man. The uh, it, it's 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 basically a masterpiece. It's it's just Fact. it's it's so good. There's a couple minor things I have wrong with it, or issues I have with it. Um, one of them being a directorial issue, but outside of that, it's basically a masterpiece. It's it's an excellent film. Um, but uh, that that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, next next up we have another the next set of four. Uh, we have. I'm really excited to talk about these because we've got some 
bangers. Yes. Uh, the Shining, Blue Velvet, The Silence of the Lambs, and Perfect Blue. Oh, Perfect Blue. Um, yeah, in case you guys couldn't tell, we've seen these already. We, we've already watched those four. So really excited to get into those, get, it, uh, get down to the nitty gritty, talk about them. Uh, like I said earlier, this season is super pa- uh, super packed, hella bangers, super fucking excited. Really hope you guys are watching too and hoping you're enjoying them as well because that's part of the experience. I think uh, having watching them and listening to us talk about them and having your own thoughts and opinions on them is just part of the the, the fun and the joy of film and stuff like that, it, Like just like any art. Uh, but yeah, that, that's about that wraps up this week's episode. You guys can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, and you can find us on Instagram at, uh, brackets underscore B rolls, uh, leave us five star ratings and reviews, um, on the Apple podcast app. That's how it helps us get organic exposure and, you know, it makes, it feels good to read them, you know, let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Let us know how we can improve. And if you know anyone who you think would be interested in checking the show out, anyone who's a, who's a cinephile who likes movies, especially, or someone who uh, you think is really into the genre that we're uh, talking about this season. Uh, definitely point point them in our direction. You know, we would happily welcome any and all people into the bracket and B roll fa- brackets and B roll family. Um, you can where can they find you at Quattro? You can find me on Instagram at Quattro IV with a period between the C and the U. You can check me out on Twitter at Quattro IV underscore. Hey, that's what's up, man. Y'all can find me on Instagram at flyguy.tie to eyes and fly. You can find me on Twitter at FlyGuyTie7, to Wise and Fly again, of course. Uh, I'm way more active on Twitter. I be tweeting a lot of shit. Uh, sometimes movie stuff, sometimes basketball stuff, sometimes some existential stuff. You never know. We'll, we'll just see how I'm feeling that day. Uh, but again, thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate uh, each and every one of you. Love all y'all. Love all the support and the, the love. And uh, we we want to continue to bring you guys some some quality content. So uh, that's it. But without further ado, everybody, brackets and b rolls. <laughs>